0: Yeah, no, I'll do it, and then you introduce Graham. Okay, sure, okay. yeah. The Westport Library and the Quick Center for the Arts, uh, in partnership with Apple Podcasts, is proud to present Oh Brother, Not Another Podcast with me, Megs Spurrows.
1: And I'm Trace Burrows, and today we're excited to have on our show uh, one of the founding members of Air Supply, Graham Russell. Um, they've had... Eight top ten hits in the United States, seventeen studio albums, and they're playing at the Palace Theater in Stanford on October twenty third. Hi, Graham. Thanks for coming on. Good morning, on. Grace. Good morning, Migs. How are you?
0: Good. Oh, great. So I, I noticed on your thing, if I can butt in right here, it says Lord Graham. Are you? Have you been uh, knighted? Are you a lord?
2: I'm a lord, yeah, but an English lord. They don't have it here, but oh. I, I've kind of, uh, and it's just because I own, I own a place in England that's that had the title with it you know
0: oh yeah
2: but i'm i'm actually because i'm a a u.s citizen i have been since 2008 but i'm thinking of uh letting it lapse and not using it at all i try not to
1: use it these days you know
0: (laughs) well how many yeah how many people can say that Uh,
1: i yeah no so as a lord what um, do you have, like, special opportunities that other people <laughs> aren't given, or, like, a bunch <laughs> of really. do you have a
2: kingdom? Not, <laughs> not in the United States, of course, but in England, it, you get certain privilege. but, you know, I haven't lived there since, uh, oh, God, how I left there in 68, and uh, I haven't lived there. I just have some property there that that allows me to go backwards and forwards if I feel like it. I set up my British passport, of course, you know.
0: Right. Yeah. You wanna tell us a little bit about the tour? It starts actually, in, it, we're recording this on September 1st. It starts in two days, right? The tour? It does. Yeah. It does. So, we're,
2: well, we, we did, we've done some shows already. They kind of been warm up shows, but they've been fantastic and the reviews have been excellent so we're very excited to be back out obviously I think all musicians are you know but it's great we you know we're coming back we're very refreshed and very eager to get out there and play again and it's going to be a wonderful thing I mean I, you know I always say this but every morning when I wake up I'm so thankful that, to be able to do what I do because I love to perform and and create music and uh, I'm allowed to do it and have been for almost five decades so i'm very thankful every day you know that i'm able to carry on my career the way i like to
1: do it you know when was the last time you went on tour
2: um oh it was before covid we ended it was march 2020 we did our last show in uh, in utah funnily enough and uh and we pr- approached the promoter because COVID was really coming on and he said, we said, we're okay not to do the show. We were there. And he said, no, I want you to do the show. And that was the last show. Then we drove overnight to California to play in Los Angeles. And uh, then it was canceled. Then everything hit the fan, you know. So it's been, um, what's that say? 18 months, almost. Yeah, like yeah. that for like and a lot of- performance. How much
0: rehearsal do you like before you go on tour? I mean, does it take, is it weeks, months?
2: Oh no, no. We uh, we just we rehearse for a week. You know, I mean, simply because the the bulk of our show is big hit songs. You know, we I mean, fortunately we've had so many big hits that they're always in the set. So the the peripheral songs, the new songs, and the different arrangements don't take that long to put together. You know, uh, so we rehearse for about a week, and then we're 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 back up to snuff. You know. <laughs>
0: What's the last song you've written?
2: Was yesterday morning at 6am.
0: That's the name of it or it was yesterday morning (laughs) at Uh, 6am?
2: It's called Wrap Your Arms Around Me. And I think it's going to be one of my biggest songs ever. Really? Yeah, I, I really believe that. And you know, when I'm writing, when a new song arrives, should I say, I have feelings about it. And I have incredible feelings about this one, but I'm sure Every songwriter says the same thing, Well we'll have would, to wait and see, you know.
0: Would you be willing to hum a bar or two or? <laughs> you want to keep it uh,
2: I would need my guitar with me and it's over there. So I, you'll have okay. to wait for that one. <laughs>
0: okay, well that's great, that's a scoop. <laughs> I,
2: I get up very yeah. early, you know. Um, I usually get up about 5.30 and I like to play my guitar for a couple of hours before the day begins. And uh, I usually come up with something, um, and uh, this one really came along and I could feel it coming. And it was,
1: really?
2: it was that incredible feeling that I'm sure most songwriters get when they feel something coming on. It's, it's such a great feeling. And I'm so blessed to be able to have that, that ability. Do
1: you, know? you try to write a song like each day? I mean, or are you preparing for a new album? What's...
2: No, I write each day. Yeah, I, you know, I spend two hours on my guitar then i'll go and play my piano for a couple of hours I and mean, usually something will happen or i'll get an idea or i'll just write the whole song you know it's a, it's a great it's a mystery you know songwriting for me is the biggest mis- mystery in the universe mm. uh, i really don't know how to do it it just happens considering that but it's a beautiful thing uh, mm. i guess it's like uh, nuclear physicists they understand all the parameters of what they do for a living you know quarks and and molecules and atoms uh it's the same thing i'm sure for them once they discover something it's like a eureka moment and uh, i'm very very fortunate to be able to share those moments with the universe, whatever, wherever it comes
0: oh, from. And the universe is grateful. Do you feel like you're actually channeling it? You know, there's that thing, the story, that Paul McCartney, about dreaming, you know, we, he dreamt
1: yeah. Yeah, the, yesterday, the, the melody
0: well, to, yesterday, and then it was scrambled eggs, scrambled eggs. And then right. it yesterday, have you have you dreamt full song songs? Oh, and- I
2: do, yeah. Normally, uh, I do dream them, full songs, but not very often. But it's very difficult for me to wake up from it. So now I've kind of trained myself. If I if I hear a song in a dream, and I'll go, "Wow, that's a great song!" That I have trained myself to say, "Hey, you're asleep. Wake up and record it." Oh. So <laughs> well, I'm to that. Mm. I sleep next to my phone is right next to me, and I record all my songs on my phone. You know, I don't have anything complicated or high tech. I just record all my songs
1: on the phone. Because it's it's easy and it's right there, mm. right? Do you have other? There must be a lot of through the decades a lot of other performers that have covered your music, mm. right? Yeah, uh, I think the biggest one is All
2: Out of Love. I think that's that's at at over 150 covers. You know, oh, wow. Mm. Yeah, but when you when you consider some of the Beatles songs, in fact, most of them. Uh, they're over 500 and I think yesterday is the most covered song ever and I think that's over 1,000 I mean it's frightening Mm, mm, it is speaking
0: speaking in numbers I was looking you know watching some of your videos I mean I'm well aware of your music but uh making love out of nothing at all has 185 million views (laughs) But but the follow-up question is not a question. That wasn't a question. But the follow-up is, that was written by Jim Steinman, right? Who wrote a lot of meatloaf. So what is it like for you, a songwriter, to be, how did that come about? Does he offer you a song? Do you ask him to write a song? Did you collaborate? Uh,
2: We didn't collaborate. Uh, How it happened, you know, we were riding high. We'd had four or five uh, big hits, and it was 1983. And Clive Davis, we were in New York. I can't remember what we were doing. Um, we had lunch with Clive, and uh, he said, "He said Jim Steinman sent me this song. He said I want you to have a listen to it." And uh, at that point, you know, all the songs had been mine. But I've always had this philosophy: uh, when you're in a band with one of the great singers of our generation, like Russell, I think it would be unfair for him. For me to say I only want you to record my songs because mm. he's a singer and he needs to sing other other songs uh, and this song came along and uh, Clive had a copy of it I think that's what the lunch was all about yeah <laughs> he, he had it on a cassette and he said take this and have a listen and Russell listened to it first and he fell in love with it and I listened to it and I went wow it's great. The thing is, I'd already, I was already a f- big fan of Meatloaf and Steinman, you know, so for me it was like uh, almost having a song written by the, Paul McCartney. Mm. Um, so we met Jim, and the song was really long; it was seven minutes. And I said, Jim, it's not going to fly being seven minutes. And it, and he was like, Oh, really? I said, Yeah, because all the Meatloaf songs were epic, you know. Yeah. So we got together and, and we he cut a few things out and uh the next day we went in the studio and he had the band there and we arrived and he used the E street band really? and uh, yeah he had a great band and russell went in to sing it uh the the shortened version and the song just sounded incredible you know but it was a big shift for us you know we were the big ballad kings of the world and here we are with this. Really, kind of a heavy song, mm. but but still a love song, nevertheless. Uh, but we just loved it. Um, Clive said, "This is so gr- it'd be so great for you," and it's no slight on me; I didn't care, you know. Um, and R- Russell went in to sing it, and I was next to Jim in New York. I think it was the record plant. And Russell sang it down once, and Jim turned to me and he said that was incredible and I said yes it was and then he said I think I think that's it and I said I think it is too that's <laughs> so he sang it one take oh. and that was it. but uh, you know working with someone like Jim was a, was such a, a thrill you know I mean it was 1983 we hadn't been on the scene very long in the U.S. and here we were working with these incredible musicians and Jim Simon it was a it was incredible, you know, and that's how it came about. And of course, because Clive, it was Clive's suggestion. He, it was a great feather in Clive's cap, you know.
0: Yeah, so, Someone, so.
1: go ahead, Nix. Yeah.
0: I know uh, this is sort of a hypothetical. So let's, let's pretend you, you're you just, you're, you're a truck driver a lorry driver, as they say in Britain, and uh, you yeah. have a romantic date and you have nothing to do with air supply, but you know all their music and, and you bring this woman, you know, whatever to your apartment or you're somewhere and you or jukebox. What air supply song do you play for your. Your seduction um, song. Yeah, your seduction song.
2: <laughs> it's got to be Lost in Love, I think. Okay. Yeah, because if if you play Lost in Love, it means that the person you're with, that you're falling in love with them, you know, and, mm. and you can't help it. And I think that's that's the song and the song is very even keel. It just has this message and it doesn't get kind of bombastic like All Out of Love, for instance. It's a very even keel song. And you can get on the dance floor next to the jukebox and you can can dance to it. And I don't think there's anything... I believe that women think it's extremely romantic when a guy asks her to dance, even if he can't dance. It doesn't matter. Really? If If you have the nerve to ask a lady to dance, I think the, the relationship is already begun
0: because that's always kept me from because I can't dance and I'm always too embarrassed <laughs> to, to show that off <laughs>
2: you know, just... You're right you know it's, it's most guys are, are are that way you know but I think if you take the initiative and show mm-hmm. this and that even though you may not be able to dance well,
1: you, you want to share that moment with right. her. I think that that speaks volumes you know. You get people like fans sending you letters saying, you know, you made you oh, know, yeah. my night or my marriage. Or, and like,
0: Or they name your their baby after you because of the, the night. <laughs> don't,
1: don't laugh, they do. All
0: dude,
2: of the, he, I mean, we do, we have a meet and greet at every show we do. And okay. uh, we get the same stories, but different stories, but the same context. Uh, you know, we met, we met, for 30 40 years ago this is our song and uh, it's, it's a great thing you know because you, you can see that their lives are built around their soundtrack is part of your life too the thing is they if for instance if they have a take lost in love for instance if that's somebody's song and they say oh we play it all the time but the thing is we live it all the time we mm. play it every night you know mm. we've We've done over 5300 shows in our oh, career. Jeez. So we live these songs. They are our soundtrack too,
1: you know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that must be really gratifying that your music, you're sharing people's great moments in their lives. The oh. best moment of their lives is you've helped create yeah. that.
2: I mean, what what greater reward could you have, you know, you're part of people's lives and Not only that, it's a positive thing. It's not uh, anything negative. It's a positive uh, moment when they say that. And uh, to be a part of that is is such an incredible feeling, you know, it's hard to describe. But when we walk on stage, you know, every night, it's that moment of euphoria for for us. We walk out Mm -hmm. because we're ready to give something to them. And it's reciprocal that everybody stands up. And they kind of salute your longevity and what you've done. And it's just an incredible thing, you know.
0: And so, yeah, keeping it fresh, I mean, you know, 56, I mean, whatever, thousands of performances. So is it just that... (laughs) You know, I mean, I've heard Broadway, st- people ask Broadway actors, you know, well, gee, you've done 600 performances of M- Music Man. How do you keep it fresh? And they go, well, the people in front of me have never heard it before. So I'm playing yeah. to them. Is that an attitude that you have?
2: Absolutely, yeah. The The surroundings are different. It's a different theater, mm. uh, different people in front of you. So you have different points to, to look at, you know, and you're right, they're so full of enthusiasm and excitement. A lot of them were crying, you know. Mm, so you sharing that with them and, and then you play the song and then they they relive whatever moment they had with that song. So for us, it's, it's bringing something. and But they give just as much back to us too. You know, I'd hate to be in a band where the, the band doesn't enjoy it uh, and, and just get up there just to do it. But
1: we, we love every minute of it, you know, and it's it's a great thing, you know. Have you ever been approached by uh, Broadway uh, oh, producers? Because yeah. you have those great ballads and it, it seemed like an Andrew Lloyd Webber kind of uh, um, mm. sound. Yeah. Well, we have,
2: and there's been several attempts to write a book, a story around our songs, but none of them have really garnered great attention yet and in fact I know there's two in the works right now and uh, there was one in the Philippines three years ago that we went to see which was which was really good but none of them have, have really we've gone wow this is it you know and we get treatments and and scripts sent to us uh, but none of them have, have crossed that line yet but you've got to believe one of them will soon because the music you would imagine hmm. is perfect for something like that you know
0: and across his generations well and you met it an andrew lloyd weber J- jesus christ superstar i mean that's where you yeah and we, uh, met. You and yeah Russell.
2: we were almost two years and i write musicals too i've just finished my sixth one oh. uh not well i haven't made it to broadway yet but i'm getting close Uh, But I don't write books or the script, you know. Uh, I just write the music. So I'm waiting for someone to come send us a a script, a Broadway script, even if it's in its infancy, that might be uh, relevant to the music. And uh, and we would certainly uh, look at it. It's it's hard, though. With, With all the songs, the big hits, they're all very romantic, obviously. But it must be hard for a storyteller or a writer to wrap a story around those. It must be very difficult, you know.
0: So you yeah. didn't write them with a story in mind, like an arc, boy meets girl, boy you know, miss, loses girl, boy, whatever.
2: Well, I, I do when I write the song, the first thing, uh, when, if I feel a song coming on, the first thing to address, a song has to have a story. And uh, that's the first thing you've got to have. So I look, I feel what the story is gonna be And I write a story in my head around it, but it's a musical story. But as far as dialogue, that's not my expertise, you know. Although I can write lyrics on a dime, but dialogue is very different. You know, it has a different uh, a different tempo.
1: Yeah. So film, like, uh, how about film producers? They've probably approached you, Mm -hmm. like, we need a song for this film. Has that happened? Is that a thing? A lot. Yeah, uh, Yeah, but they
2: usually. They usually want a song that's already existed. like All Out of Love, for instance, has been in, in I think it's 23 movies so far. Sure. I mean, oh. uh, two years ago, it was in, uh, I can't remember the name of it now. You know, it was in a, a, a new movie. Um, yeah. The guy in the spider suit, what's that called? Not Spider Man.
0: Well, uh, Spider Man's the only guy in a spider suit. <laughs> you know, I think,
2: uh, a a comedy
0: a dark comedy oh
1: okay any oh i don't know you know what it is remember
0: well i mean they should be doing your there should be a movie i mean your your story of the two of you um you know the 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 meeting and the and i i well and i'm going all over the place but i have another a very trivial question but so i saw you know i've watched i watched it when it first came on and i rewatched your interview on cbs sunday morning and um russell is that, you know, you're both, you know, I mean, you're this ins- institutional of, of romance, institution of romantic ballads, but Russell's wearing a shirt with skulls on it and he has tattoos. So is there a dark side to, oh, to air supply? <laughs> like, Is there a dark air supply?
2: <laughs> the dark side of air supply. <laughs> yeah, the dark. Right. I, News. <laughs> guess, but Now he's had his, his, uh, his fingernails painted black. Oh, okay. Um, and he, he wears jeans and everything. It's, it's really strange because uh, no, he's not, he's not, he doesn't have a dark side at all. I don't, you know, I, I often ask him why he has all the tattoos or why does anybody get tattoos? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, but he has, like, he's covered head to foot.
0: Is he really?
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, his back, his front, everywhere. Uh, and it's, it's a strange thing because, you know, when he sings those romantic songs, I mean, he puts everything into it. And he's, he's recognizable, his voice, you know, and the yeah. women, they go, oh my God, here's that voice, you know, and yet he's covered in tattoos. It's, it's bizarre. But, uh, you know, a yeah. lot of singers are these days. I mean, look at uh, uh, the guy from uh, Maroon 5 and- Oh, sure. Although uh, none of them really have that romantic essence mm-hmm. that Russell does, I don't think. Uh, I mean, we certainly carry that mantle But it's weird that he's he's the tattoo guy you know and here here am i i'm the songwriter and i don't have any tattoos you don't have have none
0: okay that was my next question
2: oh i'm the vegan guy that loves gardening
1: I mean, once you have tattoos, if you're young and you say, oh, I love this tattoo, but, you know, it's like a painting in your house. You, you you change and you go up. You can remove that painting, you know, and your taste change. Once you get that tattoo on, now you're like 70 years old. You put it yeah. on when you're 30. You go like, I'm not into that anymore. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the Dorian Gray, um,
0: yeah.
2: so, you know, where the painting changes. <laughs> but you're right. Uh, I mean, that doesn't appeal to me at all. Uh, the mm-hmm. tattoo thing. I mean, I don't. I don't want to stand out in a crowd. I I would rather blend into the wallpaper. Mm, that's interesting,
0: because because obviously yeah. you. So I have a question about. I mean, this tour again. It's almost a year long. I think it's right. Your your tour. It's yeah. Again, to, to you know, we live in Westport, Connecticut. It's only ten miles from Stamford, where you're going to play at the Palace Theater on October uh, twenty third. Twenty third, yes. So we encourage people to go see you there. Um, but that's such a demanding. I mean, any tour. I mean, traveling is demanding. If I was to go to, you know, you know, take a plane trip to uh, Wyoming, it'd be demanding on me physically. So how do you? You mentioned vegan. Are you? How do you keep in shape? And what's your regimen? Uh,
2: my regimen is pretty strict. Uh, well, not strict. I just like to do certain things every day. I work out every day, and even. If we're traveling, I make time for it. You know, I really do. I do. Uh, I do my yoga stretches morning and night. I do them right before I go on. But I'm I'm no saint. I sound like I'm this purist, but I'm really not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just need to stretch and to be in shape to do what I do it, because me- mm. I want the mental gratification. If I do my stretches and I travel with rubber bands, you know, that I stretch out, uh, then mentally I'm on target. And I don't want to be lounging around and uh, not doing anything positive. Uh, For me, that's very important. And I don't eat any bad food, you know. I I usually take my food on the plane. Uh, When I'm home, like now, I grow most of my own food. You know, I have a massive house. Uh, it's sunk into the ground it's geothermal and
0: everything
2: really? there you know so
0: do you cook I, as well I, do you cook it at your own food or I,
2: I do cook a lot yeah i lo- i love indian food i cook i cook indian food yeah. you like but spicy I'm, but I'm, mm. I'm vegan i don't eat any dairy or any meat of any kind you know
0: yeah, spicy. Do you like the, the spicy Indian food? I
2: I like spice from hell.
0: Yeah. Really? Oh, God. I,
2: I I grow my own. I grow a dozen different varieties of hot peppers. I go grow the Bra- Brazilian starfish, which is really spicy, and the oh. ghost pepper. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I I guess I admire people that do it. I know there's contests where they eat the jalapenos and these other peppers oh, that just burn. The, you know, you can see their head explode. You know, but they love it.
2: <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing I you know people say that spicy food isn't good for your for your voice but I i uh, I differ on that one i I eat a lot of spicy food most most days and I never get a cold or anything mm. you know so, so I'm, you ever
1: get oh, always, oh, sorry yeah it's always there at the show. Mm. So do you ever get like sing and you get congestion? How do you fix? What do you use to remedy that?
2: I never get any congestion at all. Yeah, I think I never do, and even if I was to get a cold, which I very rarely get, there's no congestion or anything. And I think because I don't have any dairy, you know. Oh,
0: that's
2: I'm, oh, yeah. I'm a big believer in that.
0: I'm, I'm curious, you know, early on in your careers. Um, You were very popular. I think you had more hits in Asia and Asian countries than here, right? Before you broke out. What do you think is, I mean, if it's anything you can analyze in the cultural difference, why why the music, you know, resonated with them before it resonated with us?
2: Well, there's a couple of reasons, I think. First of all, we were the first band to go to a lot of these Asian countries in the early 80s when nobody had been there. We were the first band in China, in Vietnam, in Seoul, and we went there very early. In fact, we first went to Japan before we broke in the U.S. We went to Japan in 1978, and consequently, we discovered they're very loyal fans. Now their grandchildren come. But the thing is with Asian people, which differs from the West, in my opinion, they've they're very romantic people, but they don't talk about it. They, they don't mention it or they don't hmm. uh, get together like Western people do or put their arms around each other, even in the shows. So I think they allow us to be their voice. Oh,
0: that's interesting.
2: And, and they kept, we've kept that relationship with them all these years. Uh, you know, when we first went to Japan, in, in the audience, at uh, the side of the stage, they had traffic lights. They had red, green, and amber. And at the end of the song, the uh, you know the green light went on. They could applaud. Then it was amber. Then it was red. Boom. Stop. You, you, <laughs> uh, you couldn't applaud if the red light was
1: on. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh,
2: that's how polite they were. Of course, that's changed now. But there's still a trace of that. Uh, it's just a respect that the Asian... Mm-hmm people have um but i mean we love going there we must have been toward asia maybe 30 times you know wow we're going again in we go again in
1: december there's a deer behind you walking by here where
0: are Uh, you now there's a deer walking in your garden back there oh is there yeah you just
1: walked there's a lot
2: of them around here yeah
0: (laughs) are you in a home
2: I, i live on a ranch in utah
0: Oh, you do okay yeah and yep.
2: there's oh i love kind of wild animals roaming around you know <laughs>
1: sure
0: yeah we have I a have few here actually bear bear are encroaching we live in connecticut and the bear are coming this way and a lot of sightings, oh wow bear yeah. sightings and yeah.
1: bobca- bob-
0: bobcats bobcats yeah. Lion, yeah.
1: Li- mountain lions too in connecticut really. In
0: connecticut i know i don't know they're coming whether it's because of the climate Situation: They're coming. They're coming, going more south. I mean, we're not in the south, but for them, maybe it's south. Uh, coming yeah. from Canada, I don't know. But um...
2: well, I've heard that although this probably doesn't apply to to you out east, that a lot of animals are coming down because of the, there's no water up high. Mm. You know, I I live at seven thousand feet, and you know the mountains behind me go to twelve thousand, but there, there's no water up there because there was no mm. snow. There.
0: Yeah, oh, and they're right. all
2: coming down,
0: you know. Yeah, so there's no runoff. Oh. But this I mean,
2: he, he hangs around all the
0: time. <laughs> Do you have a name for him?
2: Uh, run, I think that was. Did
1: he have antlers?
0: No, this no. one didn't have a rack. No.
1: Oh, <laughs> they, 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 yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> I know. That's what you tell it's a female deer if it's got a rack.
1: Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Um, no, wow. Okay, so, uh, so what made you choose uh, Utah to live in out of all the states to choose from?
2: Well, in 1990, we were playing at the MGM in Las Vegas and we were doing two consecutive weekends. And normally, in that instance, you know, I lived in California and I would go back to California on Sunday morning or Monday morning, but this time I decided to rent a car and not go home and just drive north for four days and i and i didn't know where i was going and i <laughs> drove north and came into these incredible red mountains and they blew me away and i went whoa and it was just vast space and the road just went north for like 200 miles without a curve and i thought this is interesting so i came to a this town And I looked in the phone book and I called a real estate agent up and I said, I don't want to buy anything, but uh, could we meet? I want you to tell me what's going on up here. And he said, yeah. So we met. We had breakfast. He was a real cowboy and he became a really good friend of mine. And uh, he showed me some properties in the area. And uh, I said, oh, thank you. You know, and the next day I called him up. And the first property he showed me, I bought, hmm. I bought it the next day, and it was uh, it was a house that was it, it was a weekender for someone that had ran out of money, and there was no walls or ceilings. It was just a beginning project, but it had uh, hundred and twenty acres, and I just fell in love with it, and so I bought that, and then after that I bought another. Th- thousand acres so i have uh, 1200 acres here of wilderness that i that i love you know because i live i, I work in a uh, cities all the time mm. it's great to come back here and and just contemplate and look at the stars and you know i know once again it sounds very idyllic but and it is for me you know i i, I have my studio here my piano my guitars i don't
1: need anything else you know I can work. It's great. So, if you have to go to a store, how how far do you have to travel? I mean, I'm oh,
2: there's a store uh, six miles away, and and Park oh. City, Utah, oh. where there are like forty five star restaurants, is only twenty minutes away. So, I'm not that far. You know? No, yeah, but I but I where I am, I don't have any neighbors. I'm out in I'm out in the sticks, but I'm close to, you know, a gas station and and uh, things like that. If I want
1: to, you know.
0: Well, thanks so, so much. We're. I Tracy, really the well. last question. Oh, yeah, just
1: well. Yeah. Who are your idol, musical idols?
2: That. That. Oh, me. It's. It's always been the Beatles and Paul McCartney. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be, being a songwriter. I mean, I'm really a songwriter that sings. Um, i mm-hmm. and, and I play guitar and piano, but I don't play them well. But I get I I play them well enough to 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 play my songs but uh i admire songwriters and for me there's no greater songwriter than Paul McCartney that's that's certain you know yeah but i've, I've like- never you know i'd love to meet him but i never have
0: yeah i actually resemble him now you know in this a little bit you've got the same eyes i think anyway <laughs> well um, he's a
2: little bit older than me but yeah i'm born june the 11th he's june the 18th oh uh, so uh, it's funny a lot of a lot of songwriters were born in that, in that same time. You know, Bob Dylan around the same and uh, so many others, it's frightening. I think Irving Berlin was around mm. there too. Yeah, I'm getting all cosmic now.
0: Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's great, it's been a treat. Yeah, thanks for
2: coming on the show.
0: Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank
2: you guys, it's my pleasure. It, it, great conversation, I like yeah. it. That's very loose, it's cool.
0: Well, that's good to hear. Thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, we'll see you in. Uh, not we'll, we'll be. In, hopefully, we'll be in the audience in Stanford on October 23rd at the Palace Theater. And uh, yeah. anyone else listening, I'll know.
2: I'll know you, you are now. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll wave, and you, you'll know. You, <laughs> okay. Very much so. <laughs> okay,
0: take, take care. care.
1: Bye.